As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hello and welcome back to Last Jedi on the Left podcast. Uh, and I am running through my series on the films of the year 1999, as it's always the 25th anniversary of all of those films that are coming out. Um, so for this week's episode, I'm joined by Ian Graham. Hello, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. It, by all means. Um, it's, it's, so, it's funny because you're... The first of this lot, anyway, that is a well, it's the first time guest on my podcast, at least. I have been on mm-hmm. your podcast previously, haven't I? Yeah, Aaron, you have indeed. So I believe, um, so on my podcast, so on on um, cult, uh, their connections, and um, we're usually for episodes we like to do things in um, their threes. So, so we were looking at um, three. Three very similar films. Now, I think initially, Aaron, you actually gave me something um, they're very, very sort of different as as a topic, and and we ended up going uh, as, as somewhere totally um, they're random off that. But we covered um, um, Django, um, the spaghetti westerns, which was which was great fun. Yes, it was a a real trip into some quite interesting films in there as well. But, yeah, uh, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, for this one, uh, like I said, we, we give guests, or I give guests, you know, a, a choice of which one they'd like to cover for this podcast. Um, and you picked out Steven Soderbergh's The Limey. Yeah, haha. So um, I think there's lots to talk about. It's a, it's a film that's um, the reputation has has built maybe as it's gone on. It was. Uh, it was quite low, low, low. Um, the key, as it were, I think when it first came out. But um, yeah, it's a great film, and there's and there's loads to get get stuck into with it as well. So, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we'll we'll kind of jump straight in then, really, with it. So, uh, what what memories do you have of the first time you see it? Did you see it originally when it came out, or is it one that you came to later on? I saw it. I saw it slightly later. So this was a um, a, a video, um, their rental, and I do remember this because it was probably one one of the last films actually on um, their VHS. Uh, so sort of renting that, and they're watching it. So it was probably in maybe two thousand or two thousand and one, rather than the nineteen ninety nine when I did see it. Um, but fairly, yeah, so fairly soonish after uh, uh, their release. Yeah, definitely sort of within that sort of time frame. It's one that I um, I came to quite a bit later. I think it was possibly um, possibly in like around the uh, pandemic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed I was kind of kind of getting into a little bit more of the Soderbergh films that I hadn't seen um, around the time. Obviously, familiar with some of the more famous ones like you know, Ocean's Eleven and those kind of things, and and saw that this one yeah. kind of I think it must have been on one of the streaming services, possibly uh, 
Amazon Prime, something like that at the time, mm-hmm. and kind of noticed it on there, and I thought that was a, a good place to jump in on it. And, and it was one that I wasn't really all that aware of pre- previously, but then kind of coming back to it again when you when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, that was, you know, I really enjoyed that when I watched it kind of thing. So, uh, so yeah, I, I was it was one that I was quite happy to kind of, albeit, you know, it's only been a, a couple of years, but it was one that I was still quite happy to kind of come back and revisit and see mm-hmm. what I thought of it on a, yeah. on a rewatch kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, and I know for me, and I, and I remember liking it at the time. And oh god, second watch maybe about sort of ten year, years ago or something. I think it was on um, uh, uh, the, the Channel Four. I think it was, and I remember watching it then, and and being very struck by it, and maybe even being more more struck by it at that at at that sort of second time. Um, and I have watched it um, probably about another three times since then. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good film. It really is. It's a good solid film. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's funny one as well, like you say, because I mean, you kind of touched on it uh, a minute ago where you said that it, it kind of came out and perhaps wasn't fully appreciated when it came out. But it's it's interesting for me that it, it kind of comes out in like a bit of a peak moment for um Soderbergh in, in his career like he's coming off out of sight which I think is a brilliant film and then he mm-hmm. goes on to do like Erin Brockovich and Traffic and, and Ocean's Eleven in like the next two years or so and that was kind of like his I suppose possibly even like his his peak of fame I think yeah yeah and um you know it is it is kind of sandwiched in the gets they're sort of forgotten about a little bit, I would say. But um, I think looking back at the film, he's at, I think he's reached the stage with this film. I mean, you're absolutely right. Out, out of sight, a great film. Then he makes this one after it, and it's, I think it's just as good. It's very artful. Um, the the uh, this sort of direction and you know, storytelling, I think, you know, really, really good in this film. You know, like, you know, the techniques he he they uses gives it a, um, the right the right sort of vibe for the film. So, um, you know, it's set in in um, uh, they sort of Hollywood. It's set in the LA. You know, it's um, it's kind of around the. Uh, their sort of music scene and um, and their crime as well and uh, you know uh, uh, their sort of drugs and things like that and they're the two certainly you know link up so it's a good uh, you know, it's a good sort of setting and I think he uses a lot of a, a lot of sort of their their sort of tricksy their techniques in the film which actually kind of tie into late late sort of sixties early early seventies film uh, they're making, um, and it and it kind of suits. Uh, uh, they're the actors as well, so they're the two lead actors. Act that that style suits um, suits them or or they'd they'd appeared in some. You know, big sort of sixties, uh, uh, they sort of counter culture films, and uh, yeah, just sort of ties in this sort of nicely with that. 
Yeah, it, it's funny that like you mentioned that because uh, it was the one thing that I think I noticed on even when I first watched it, it, it kind of felt to me it was the sort of Hollywood American gangster, effectively, with his sort of, you know, might be a bit more flash, he might be a bit more kind of, you know, however he's portrayed, which is done like brilliantly by Peter Fonda, who, like you say, is, mm-hmm. is this icon of the new Hollywood and the 60s films and stuff. And it's, but it's also kind of meets with the stereotypical British gangster as well in, in Terrence mm-hmm. Stamp's character. Um, yeah. And it's got this kind of, clash of the gangster films if you like you know um that i thought was really plays out quite interestingly um along with like you say all of uh soderbergh's different um flair moments in his filmmaking and stuff like that yeah 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 definitely it does it has that i mean um you know as we say i mean you know fonda obviously did uh you know the like likes the easy rider and things like that um the Terence Stamps in a film called um, the, the 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 Theorem, um, again another late sort sort of sixties arty type type sort of film, um, and and of course we do actually get shots of of their stamp from from the um, their sixties as well. So Soderbergh uses them in his uh, um, uh, their sort of flashbacks as well, and it all. It all sort of ties in, you know, really, really nicely. Actually, um, you know, it works really well. I think, and uh, uh, you know, Fonda as this aging, um, the music, uh, this sort of producer or uh, something like that, or a, a music Some kind um, of mogul, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, aha, uh-huh, yeah. Um, but you know, like, and he was hanging out with the big. You know, you know, rock stars back at the time, you know, and getting them to write songs for his, uh, you know, films, and you know, he was taking lots of drugs, and we all, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, if you've watched Easy Rider, there's a particular scene where, um, him, um, Jack, uh, the uh, Nicholson and um, uh, the Dennis Hopper are just absolutely wasted. Uh, you know, you can see, see, see that that they're absolutely out of it. Um, and and I do like that. It, it it you know it ties in with that, but you know shows that real, real sort of sleazy side, and actually probably that side of sort of LA that that you know we don't always sort of see, but is you know definitely there. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I I think you you kind of mentioned as well there that one of I think one of my favorite sort of parts of this film is the way that and now I had to I had to look this up because I didn't I didn't know what it was but it, but it's a lot of like uh cuts from Ken Loach's Poor Cow I believe which yeah, is the uh-huh. film that 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 uh Terry Stamps you know plays these sort of 60s kind of uh flashbacky moments to and I think that's just just done really well. Mhm as as it's brilliant and I think um I mean, he uses them fairly sparingly, so you know, um, which does work well. I think. I think what's good as well, and funnily enough, I watched. I, I watched the film just um, there yesterday, and um, funnily enough, Amazon. It's on their um, uh, their Prime, and um, they had a four K version of it. I was like, oh, right, I'll stick that on, and and let's see how that works. And uh, but what you did get, and what so so Soderbergh did do. 
or or the or the cinematographer did was to use lots of um uh like this sort of grain there throughout the 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 film so um the the shots use actually you know tie in quite well you don't feel too sort of drawn out by uh, using like the uh, the the 1960s um uh their uh, their sort of footage so yeah yeah that works it's good yeah uh, it's quite clever how he does that as well with like um having you know Terence Stamp will be in the middle of a, a conversation or he's in the middle of, of making a, a long point or whatever and, and it kind of just cuts to show the footage which he does not only with the the old footage you like say from the old films but he'll do that of like the scene where he's he's traveling over to America or something he'll just sort of describe it and then sort of like then wants to <laughs> show you as his as the voiceover still carries on kind of thing it's a clever little yeah, technique uh-huh. I think and, it, it, and yeah. like I say with the added sort of the the grain that's added to it as well it, it does give it a really sort of almost uh-huh. surreal i think almost like a dreamlike feel to it at times as well yeah i think you're spot on there Arden. yeah definitely i think um you know he does he uses that the technique like you'll move from scene and you know like like the sound from the, the last one will still be playing or you'll get sound from the next scene which is you know playing over the the the, the sort of previous one um and that works really well and and you are it's you know like like the story is told almost always in 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 uh, their flashback but it's it, it um they jumps about um so you so you get from stamp sort of viewpoint and very cleverly without you know dialogue or a lot of um they're sort of emoting from them you know, you get a sense of what he's going through. There is a, a this sort of turmoil for him, and the 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 film itself, the the techniques actually help him uh, with the that. I mean, I mean, you know, Terence Stamp's great in this film. I think I think he really is, but he doesn't have to do, you know, too much. It's not a hugely showy part for him, which is which is which is really good. Yeah, it's true. Like it, it's probably him. He's he's not having to stretch himself. I don't think too much. It's an inter- it's you know what it's it's an interesting one. Um, you know, like we think about 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 stamp and um, his his sort of roles that he's played. He's he's a particularly suited to actually play in a, a sort of East End. Uh, they're sort of gangster type, or a, or a, or a, or an East End. They're sort of native because that's what he is. Um, that's his natural. Uh, their sort of accent, or he, you know, he he grew up in East London. Yes, he went there to drama school. So I mean, if we know him as say, um, let's say a general, then uh, there's odd. I mean, that's that's the role everyone. Um, uh, you know, knows him for so, um, you know, in that film he's got his you know proper actorly voice on. Um, however, in this one he's he's he he can, you know, play himself. He can be the be the Cockney sort of, you know, white boy, the the villain, and uh, you know, you know, do it so well. It does make me wonder, like you say, because he he does that, he does do that really well, and uh, he obviously kind of really 
I think he really leans into using the Cockney rhyme in slang. And I wonder if that was Soderbergh's decision or if it was, you know, Stamp wanting to bring a bit of that to the character maybe. But it's, uh, it's quite funny a lot of the time, especially when you see uh, like Lewis Guzman and, and Leslie Ann Warren when they're sort of just looking at each other like, what on earth is he saying? <laughs> at various <laughs> different points. <laughs> I love the scene. So there's a scene where they've been... Um where he's been picked up by the um the DEA agents and he's uh, speaking to like like the chief chief sort of agent and he and he comes in and he just goes on this you know monologue and uh, uh you know there the agents are sitting there and he's like I haven't got a clue what you're going on about um and yeah I love that bit it's it's great yeah yeah um it's it is really good and like you say and you can see you can see, even though he, he's he's obviously he's playing it kind of straight, he's playing it, you know, as the grieving father. But you can see that Stamp's really loving it as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what? this is. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's an interesting actor, and because he 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 picks his roles now. Like I was having a look at his uh, uh, their sort of credits, and I was looking at how many uh, their sort of you know, screen roles that he has, and he doesn't have as many as you think he might. Um, and he does have quite big sort of gaps. He'll maybe make a film every once every uh, this sort of three years or so. And, uh, um, you know, so obviously, you know, chooses his, um, uh, their roles. I mean, you look at some of them and you think, ah, that's just for, uh, you know, they're the pay their check. But obviously it's, uh, you know, part. You know, he 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 thinks about which uh, which parts he's gonna uh, you know take, and um, you know makes makes the most of those. So makes sense. I mean, especially like you say at, at this point now in his career, I think the last film I remember seeing him in would have been uh, uh, Last Night in Soho, the the Edgar Wright film. Mm, it was in yeah, a few years uh-huh. ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, and and again, not a not a million miles away, perhaps from Wilson from this film, really, in terms of the style of character that he plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's that's and he's perfect for that as well. I think, I think one thing that I pick up on, and uh, um, and I'm not saying that you know the limey is maybe a huge influence for for films afterwards, but. Um, if you watch this film and it's it maybe does set a standard for uh, for 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 a very popular sort of genre that we have now so we have um the the older leading actor in these these sort of action roles in these uh, uh, this sort of revenge type um uh, this sort of thrillers obviously liam uh, uh, this sort of Neeson's the big uh, you know, star of that, but uh, you know, lots of other actors recently have done, uh, you know, very similar films. But I do, I, I get a sense this is a, a little, um, like this sort of prototype of that, you know, because uh, you know, Stamp, you know, puts himself about in this film. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't mess with him. That's that's an interesting thought, actually. I, I mean, I'd not really, obviously, like these things have got other influences as well but you could say that it is effectively like a prototype of um for example like the equalizer that denzel washington he's done those films recently or, or even particularly like the first john wick film i guess 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. very sort of similar, like, you know, he's kind of being dragged back into a world that he's very familiar with due to the, you know, a, a death effectively. Um, and I, I'm very aware that Keanu Reeves, John Wick and, and, and uh, Terrence Stamps Wilson are very different characters, but, but mm-hmm. still it's, it's not a million miles away in sort of story beats, not- I suppose. No, no, it's not actually. It really isn't. And I think, but then, but then also, I think, um, you know, Soderbergh as a director and and for the script as well. I mean, that's you know, it's a really well well written in their script. But like the the confrontation, and there's a great there's a great scene. So the so the confrontation at at the at the um, the sort of truck, uh, the sort of depot, and it's almost. It's almost like we see half of a scene. So, so we, so we see Stamp going in. He's trying to get information about his uh, uh, their sort of daughter. He knows that she'd been there. Um, you know, the the gangsters work working there. You know, they they want you know nothing there to do do with them, and they uh, they they rough them up and and they throw them out now. Now, of course, in a modern film, what you would see next—I mean, you would see all everything of what goes on there next. But what what the Soderbergh there does is just block off the the their the, the, the camera. We see, you know, Stamp walking back into to the uh, uh, their building. We hear him shoot everyone, and then he walks back out, and uh, you know, you know, tells tells the world that he's uh, uh, they're sort of coming and. Um, you know what's a nice way way to do it. I think it's really clever. We know what's going on, and you get a sense of, you know, you can, you know, without seeing it, you can actually, you know, you know, picture Stamp going in and and they're shooting, you know, all all of the bad guys, as it were, and um, mm-hmm, it works works really well. Yeah, it's a really really good scene that I think, but then it, it's quite funny in a way that it. I feel like it. it very contrasted with the scene where he arrives at the party at um at Valentine's like condo or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and he yeah he basically goes through two or three iterations of just envisioning himself walking up to him and, and shooting him or, or whatever and he kind of cuts back a few times it's almost like like like, like I say the opposite of in that early scene it, it's you know it's going to happen, but it doesn't really show you. In mm-hmm. this one, it shows you something that doesn't really happen. So it's kind of a yeah, clever yeah. sort of uh, contrast a little bit, I think, with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, what brilliant point there, Aaron, I think, as well. Um, yeah, you're right. It does. It sets it up. I mean, you know, because already in our head, we're thinking, oh, well, this could go, you know, certain ways. And it actually, it shows you how it how it could go. Um, and then, it, you know, it doesn't. And, and that's... You know what? Well, that's a great way to, um, you know, move the 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 story forward or, or get a sense actually what's going through through Stamp's head. And I think, um, you know, one one sort of good thing that the film there does is that you do get a sense that he's, you know, sort of tortured. Obviously, he's uh, tortured about his uh, their sort of daughter. He's actually tortured about himself because, you know, he barely saw her. He was in. Um, they're sort of prison, you know, a lot of the time, and um, you know, you do you get a sense of that, um, their sort of dilemma there that he has. 
Yeah, um, that's true. I was going to say uh, we can kind of like bring up any other other points in the film that you really like. I, obviously, one that I was going to pick up on was uh, also at the the um, the party scene where the the guard tries to to hassle him a little bit and. Uh, <laughs> Ends up just basically getting thrown over a railing, which was throws him over the cliff. Yep. <laughs> yeah, brilliant sort yeah. of blunt, blunt moment, but uh, very memorable. Uh, what, what, what other moments have you got from the the film that you really liked? I tell you, it's it, it's quite early on, and um, you know, and he's um, so so Wilson stamps uh, their sort of character. He's he's a fairly fresh in um, their their town now we see him buying uh, their sort of guns now now the perspective is so we can see um their Terence stamps their character and we can see him exchanging their sort of money and and they're getting his his their guns under this uh, their sort of table so obviously it's very hush hush and all that and then and then at the end of the scene we actually see who's uh, selling them they're the guns and it's these it's these two like uh, they're sort of teenage boys and you're like oh Oh, oh, okay, not <laughs> what I was expecting, um, but to be fair, probably quite representative of um, you know U.S. gun uh, their sort of culture. Dare I say it? Which is uh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those kind of it takes you by surprise a little bit, but then it's perhaps uh, Soderbergh trying to be a little bit damning of of the U.S. and the state that it's kind of in with that gun culture, like you say. Well, yeah, quite right, and I mean, you know, and looking back, you know, twenty five years of time, it's uh, it's not it's not sort of changed. It's it's gotten worse, if anything. So, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, I, I guess we could kind of say like how it's it's a funny one to say. Uh, how do you think it's aged? Because it feels like it's a film like we kind of mentioned before, that's that's perhaps more looking back a little bit than, than you do forward with it. Um, when you when you watch it, you kind of reminisce a little bit more, like say about those sort of 60s and 70s kind of films and, and the sort of, especially the, the, the sort of gangster films of that time in particular. So, um, but that, that said, I mean, I, I do think, um, obviously Steven Soderbergh at the time was going through a stage where he was making like a film every year. And I feel like he's kind of gone back to that again over the last few years uh, mm-hmm. after his brief retirement. Um, so I think in that respect, at least, um, you know, it, it's not one that you're ever going to be thinking Terrence Stamp, uh, Peter Fonda stars of the future for this film, but it is definitely showing that um, Soderbergh was, was definitely, uh, a filmmaker on the rise, at least, anyway. Yeah, yeah, def. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I think he's, you know, like you know, like we're saying, he's hit a, a, a um, the momentum, as it were. I think at this stage, so he is. He's, he's, uh, you know, pop. You know, he's on a good roll. He's putting out good film after good film. Um, and this one's. You know, it's you know, it's obviously a film he wanted there to make, and um, you know, it's it's it is a different from a lot of his others, but it shows a, a very a very clever and a very you know skillful film, uh, they make a maker, and it's uh, 
you know, and if you don't know the film, I don't, well, you know, I don't know why you're actually listening there to us to go on about <laughs> it. But if you don't know the film, you know, go out and watch it because it's because it's a good film. It is really worth. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree, and I do think it's. I think it's very um, important that, like for me at least, that as part of this kind of '99 season that I did bring up uh, Soderbergh in particular because I always feel like he was one of the kind of starters of that sort of indie movement of the, the early '90s in particular. And mm-hmm. I feel like that can, kind of tends to fade out a little bit with the start of like '99. That tends to be the beginning of the end for that kind of movement. Um, mm. But th- th- this was an important point for like where he was at at that point, um, and you know we could kind of get into. Unfortunately, uh, I don't. Tarantino didn't release a film this year, so I can't pick one of his out, for example. But um, but yeah, I think um, you know definitely. Um, yeah, I mean it's. You know, I think I think that the influence on this film's wider than we maybe give it credit, or uh, or you can see, um, you know, p- patterns going on with, uh, uh, you know, the kind of films that have been being made, and actually the the, the universalness of it that uh, these uh, they sort of revenge. You know, thrillers, easy, they crime, crime their films. You know, you know, gangsters, they still capture us, and uh, you know, we still what you know, we still like watching these uh, films about you know, cool, um, the anti, uh, they're sort of heroes, and uh, um, and 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 one thing, Aaron, and I don't know for you, but throwing in lots of cool, uh, their sort of music as well, so so some great. Great, uh, their sort of choices for the for for the sound, uh, their sort of track, and uh, you know that really works well. I think as well, you really get a sense of um, you know who who the who the who the two leads are actually. So using again a lot of sixties music, some uh, their sort of seventies music. Um, uh, the first song as well. So so uh, the seeker by by the who. Uh, and and this is absolutely fascinating because uh, the Terence Stamp's brother, um, their Chris, actually they managed uh, the the who he was their manager. Um, they're back in the sixties, which I find really really sort of bizarre. But uh, uh, yeah, I had no idea about that one. That's uh, yeah, yeah, good bit of information. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Um, so I guess kind of, uh, we'll finish up the, the, the chat for the limey with the kind of question that I'm going to ask everybody on these films, um, which is who, in your opinion, owns the film. Now that could be, you know, uh, whether it's the stars or if it's the director or if it's, you know, writers or or even the audience themselves or anything like that Mm -hmm. in particular. So who, whose film would you say that this is? Ooh. Um, I would. Oh gosh, that's that's such a good one. I think. I th- I th- I think I probably would have to go with um the Soderbergh himself. Um, I mean, Stamps fantastic. I love him. Um, but I could see some other actors in that role. Um, 
yeah, I think yeah, yeah. So Soderbergh gets. I don't think another film film uh, uh, their maker would have made it quite like this. So, uh huh. Yeah, I'm gonna go for yeah. him. I think I I think I'm inclined to agree with you on this one. It it does feel that, yeah. uh, in particular, that like you say, Stamp could easily do this. You know, in in three or four different films, but it would never quite be this film without without uh Steven Soderbergh in his particular um eye for things anyway. Um yeah. so then we've got a little a little extra thing for this podcast, which is uh I think it's the first one of these I've done so far. Um but because we've got Ian on, um I figured we could ask <laughs> to to see what his top five uh films of 1999 are now i won't hold you to it we're not going to have to put it down in stone <laughs> no. but uh well because if you ask me uh they sort of tomorrow there will be another five um yeah easily i'm sure gone fairly fairly mainstream with it and i know that you're probably going to cover some of these aren't so um which will be good hopefully that actually kind of sets the scene for for what's to come, but uh, so oh gosh, um, in no particular order, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. I have gone for um, American Beauty, uh, I okay, think, yeah, um, yeah, the uh, the big winner at all the awards that year, wasn't it? So. It was a big winner, yeah, and I must admit, I must admit, Kevin Spacey, even, even prior to all of the all of all of the horridness that has sort of come out about him. Um, even prior to that, he's not an actor that I've, I've, I've ever particularly liked, but he's he's good in this role because he's he's naturally sleazy and he's uh, he's uh, so we so he's perfect for this. Um, dare I say it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely in more ways than one. I think so. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um. So I will, yeah, let me have a thing. Okay, so I have gone, uh, they're sort of Japanese. I've got the two, uh, they're sort of Japanese films, and uh, I am going to go um, the Kaiju for the first first one, and that is um, uh, the Godzilla 2000, um, which is it's maybe not the best uh, the Godzilla film, but it's it's great fun. And... Uh, um, I do remember it's the kind of film that when it came out, and um, I did actually see this. I was I was very fortunate to see this. I think it got a, an extremely limited run over here, but I did I did get to see this one on the big screen. So that's uh, it's not the best Godzilla film. It's not the worst, but it's uh, if it if it brings you in there to that world, then I think uh, yeah yeah that's a good one. That's a standout one. Yeah. It's fair. I think that's the is that the first one of the sort of third era of Godzilla films. I think isn't it? Yeah, haha. Yeah. After they've, yeah, they've had a little bit of a break in there in the late nineties, and then, like, say, they come back with the yeah, with this one. Yeah, and they come back with this one. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. It's a good film. I do like it. Yeah, that, yeah. I'm all for. I'm all. I'm all for um, like they sort of Tokyo getting smashed up. So. <laughs> yeah, plenty of that as well as always. Yeah. Yeah, with with good Gojira, yeah, 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 definitely. 
Um, probably so. So for my third one, and and probably thinking, um, you know, prob- probably Brosnan's best best Bond film. But I'm I'm I've gone for um, the world is not enough as a film that I really like. Um, overall, I think I think out of all of his, that's the uh, they're the finest one. Um, although I do have a soft spot for um, they die another day as well, but uh, that's another story. Interesting, interesting. Um, I, it's I think of all the Brosnan ones, probably the only one I've, I've revisited in any time recently has been uh, has been Goldeneye. So I'll be I'm, I'm okay. working my way through them very slowly. So. Uh, I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to give you a shout. I'll give you a text when when I get that one. I'll let you know my feelings. But okay, I, no, I might. No. I might let you off with that one. I'm not entirely sure I'm going to let you off with Die Another Day. But we'll see about that one. <laughs> Die Another. Well, yeah, that's that's another. That's a to, that's a totally different conversation. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll leave you to that one when we do 2002 films. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to uh, 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 this sort of Japan. So for my second one, and uh, uh, the Takashi Miike's Dead and Buried, um, a fabulous film. Okay, that's interesting. Even even when you said uh, Takashi Miike, it wasn't the film I thought you were going to say. Okay. Because yeah, I, uh, if, cause I think Audition came out that year as well, didn't it? Uh, roundabout then, yeah. Uh-huh, Possibly, yeah. maybe a little uh, bit earlier. So, And I did wonder if yeah, that was going to uh-huh. be your pick, but uh, I haven't found anybody brave enough to sit down and talk about that with me on a podcast for a full episode just yet. So uh, so oh, Dead and Buried then, yeah, is not one not one I've seen, yeah. actually, Dead and Buried. So, it's a, Yeah, it's, um, you know, he's such a varied film there, Maker. Obviously, this is one of his more, um, his, his more violent, uh, uh, their sort of films, and he veers so much, like, you can have quite... Um, uh, this surreal, uh, this sort of comedy from him, or um, uh, you know, try you know, you know, some very nice, nice sort of melodramas and quite um, uh, uh, their sort of romantic films as well. But uh, yeah, this is one of his more, more for the uh, uh the jugular, and he's and he's really good at that as well. So nice bit, of, very nice good bit of violence going there. <laughs> yeah, he, he can do that very well, can't he? To be fair. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. So I guess that leaves us. Well, yeah. So for number one, Aaron, actually, it's it is another Terence uh, their stamp film. Um. Now, nineteen ninety nine was a big year for him, obviously. Um, and you won't be surprised to hear that I've gone for. Um, they're both. Uh, no, no, I haven't gone for Bowfinger. I have gone for. Uh, they're the Phantom Menace. <laughs> you will be pleased to hear that one, because. Star Wars was back, um, so I am I'm old enough, Aaron, to be um, part of that original, like uh, uh, their sort of generation who who they grew up with with their Star Wars and, uh, and Star Wars coming back, um, just it was it 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 was just it it was fun and it was exciting and. Um, the film does hold up. It it does indeed hold up, and 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 the prequels, in my opinion, breathe sort of new life into into the uh, their sort of original films as well. I mean, I mean the original films are great, but 
the the prequels have you looking at them in very different ways um and you know this was the, the start of that and i think i think it's a super film i will uh i will keep keep my powder dry a little bit on that one i think um yeah. not giving too much away for uh, for future episodes but um but yeah I, it's an interesting one i mean i guess i'll i'll say it now and i'll, I'll reiterate myself later on for when we get to that but um i, I obviously a, a bit younger but as obviously we had that build up to to the Phantom Menace about two or three years in advance, they re released the what they were dubbed as the special editions in cinema, yeah. And I was, yeah, like right in that age bracket when those all got released. So, excellent, even though I wasn't around to see it in the cinema, the first time I ever uh-huh. did see Star Wars was in a cinema because that was oh, when probably. they got re released and stuff. So, yeah, I've always been kind of uh, you know. They they were the ones that I I grew up with a little bit as well because immediately mm-hmm. after that you go out and get the VHSs and I could just watch them over and over again so and then and so yeah. even though it had only been two or three years for me as opposed to the fifteen or so years for for mm-hmm. like you say people like yourself yeah Star, it was new Star Wars at that point and I was very excited yeah. as well so uh, yeah so yeah, yeah I, I, it's a good list I I think like you say I think that's the only one out of the five I think I've got down anyway. To, to talk about so far so you've you've done quite well in in avoiding <laughs> avoiding uh me give, give, saying too much about the other there's films, some but, uh... big what well, i mean there's yeah i mean there's some big films out there uh i mean i could have gone you know totally art house adam but um no i've gone for i've gone for films that people know and that i know and i like as well on them uh so yeah but you know ask me next week and you'll get a totally different list so Yes, yeah, I would uh, be in, I, interested to see what what could go on the art house list as well. Probably, probably give me five films to just jot down to watch for future times myself. But, uh, but, well, like I say, thank you for thank you for coming on. Um, You're very welcome, man. Where can everyone find you? You can find me. Um, so, so my podcast is Cult uh, the connections you know and you'll find that in in all of your podcast places um social media wise it's basically on um x as we call it now so uh this or twitter you will find me at connections cult um now i'm just gonna ask you Aaron. so just as we round off and, and uh, just to promote my my next episode um because i do know you were you were um you know thinking about this one so Aaron, i am I am doing Harrison Ford, and I want you to think about what Harrison Ford film you would you would like me to cover. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Um, I think I think possibly even knowing knowing how quickly you can get a podcast recorded and and sent out, it's probably going to see the latter day before this episode comes out as well. So it might even be available for people to listen to. But maybe we, we, sort of, it will. we had it. We had a conversation about this, and yeah. we sort of said if it's going to be a particularly non-Indiana Jones, non-Han Solo category <laughs> as well. The one that kind of jumps out to me, I mean, you've got, obviously, you played Jack Ryan, which is an interesting sort of thing. But yeah. I, uh-huh. for some reason, the one that seems to stick with me would either be, you've got The Fugitive, um, mm-hmm. and he's Dr. Richard Kimball, which is also a great, yeah. great character, I think. Um, yeah. And his two-hander with 
Tommy Lee Jones is fantastic, but I'll, I'll pick out just for just for something different. I'll pick out Witness. Oh yeah, yeah, great. His uh, his eighties films where he has to shelter in amongst the Amish nation. So uh, yeah, that's yeah, really good film, really good film. Aaron, I'm going to totally disappoint you, okay? Because I'm not covering any of those films. I'm not even <laughs> covering, okay? I'm not even covering that Harrison Ford. So. I don't know if you know this, but there was an actor, there's an actor in the 1920s, a big star, big Hollywood star of silent cinema, whose name was also Harrison Ford, the very same name. Uh, And this Harrison Ford has a star on the Hollywood walk of their fame. He was a huge star. Um, uh, the, The talkies came along. That was the end of him. He never made a film after that. Um, that is the Harrison Ford that I'll be covering on my podcast. <laughs> wow, that's it's news to me. Um, yeah, and I guess, like you say, for anybody who's uh, particularly interested by that, and I mean, I'm kind of kind of intrigued now. So I guess we can uh, hop on over to your podcast. I just have to <laughs> finish this and, and give it a listen. Yeah, yeah, definitely the re- the. The original Harrison Ford, Aaron. What more do you want? <laughs> exactly. Well, like I say, um, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on today. It's been a good, good chat, and I've enjoyed it. It's been ab- absolutely super, and thanks so much for having me. I hope I, I, I get to come back soon. Yes, we'll have to sort something out, I'm sure. Um, but for everybody else, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>